Ukrainian family, Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 19 of the Ukrainian podcast, where I serve our Ukrainian family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Now, today's guest is Gregory Fish. He's an award-winning independent filmmaker and a member of our private Facebook group. Gregory, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for your time. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. First, I want to congratulate you on your award-winning documentary called Steadfast. You got the best of fast at the 19th Bare Bones International Film and Music Festival in let me try this one. Muskegee, Oklahoma. I hope I didn't butcher it. So, Muskogee. Muskogee. Oh my gosh. But then again, I can't, I can't pronounce most things anyway. But you listen, can. I enjoyed reading your explanation about how you got the, the award. What an emotional roller coaster was for you. So you were one of four nominees for the best feature documentary award, which you did not get. And you were so discouraged. Right. You were, uh, which, you know, I would be too. But then, but then, the presenter introduced the final award in the documentary section, which was Best of Fest, the best documentary of the whole festival. And you got it, man. At that point, what was going through your mind? Yeah, it was a kind of a surreal experience for me. And like you said, going from being let down, the best feature documentary got up, gave their acceptance speech, you know, said, we won in France and we won in some other country, but this is bringing it back home and this means a lot more. I just looked at my wife and I, I thought, well, at least it was good competition. And then in a matter of, of minutes, they're calling my name and I'm walking up there. So just a, a crazy, crazy, awesome day for me. Tell me a little about the documentary. How did it come about? Very much a labor of love. Um, it's about the 2011 Joplin tornado, which was one of the most destructive tornadoes in U.S. history. And Joplin is my hometown um, growing up in high school and college and even now, I work in Joplin, but uh, I just wanted to tell the story of Joplin. It received national attention. All the big cameras were there, but when they left and moved on to other stories, as they do, and rightly so, I thought, I've got the little little camera and the little lens, and I can you know tell a big story that way. And So I didn't plan out to make a feature-length documentary, but um, it just kind of ballooned and blossomed and evolved into... Um, Originally a 92-minute uh, DVD release that then, some years later, I revisited, re-edited, cut it down, and it got shown on PBS in five different nice. markets here uh, in the Midwest and was encouraged to submit to a few film festivals and then won an award. So well, congratulations. Um, I'm just real thankful for that. At what point did you say, hey, listen, I'm sitting on a documentary here? Because at first you had no intentions of making a documentary. So right. walk me through that. When did you uh, think about uh, making one? Well, um, my goal the whole time was to encourage the people of Joplin first and foremost. They went through a horrible tragedy. And I actually lived in South Texas at the time. So I came back and then just saw the devastation and made a couple tribute films, you know, that floated around social media. And, and then I just wanted to help the people to heal emotionally. And um, that's what I sought out to do. And just the more interviews I got, and really, I didn't know a lot of what I was doing and uh, just playing it by ear. But it turned out, you know, to be something that I could put together and edit. And the people that have watched it from Joplin, those who have had the courage to watch it, because a lot of films came out that, you know, just brought up raw emotions and you know, weren't done in the best way, not done by filmmakers. And so a lot of people just were scared to watch anything that had to do with the tornado. But those who did have uh, responded in such a way as saying, you know, this really helped me. And, and so that made all the countless hours and editing and 
watching and rendering and re-rendering made it all worth it. Was this your first documentary? Yes. What did you yes. learn about this experience? Um, a lot of things. Um, I guess mostly how much work it is, how emotional it is, even, you know, editing in that stage, I would find myself wrapped up in the emotion and, and tearing up myself and just times where I'd wake up knowing exactly at five thirty in the morning, you know, where, where things needed to go. And at that time I was working for my in-laws, um, you know, not a, not a day job. So they allowed me that flexibility and they, they had to gut their house after the tornado. So they knew, they knew the power of the project and that gave me the time to dedicate to, to actually, you know, pull this feet off. And, uh, you know, if I was working a day job, it'd be really hard to, to devote that energy needed. How long did it take you to, uh, to make this documentary? You know, I get that question a lot and I never know how to answer it because <laughs> I do not keep track of, <laughs> of time. And then, you know, there are some shots uh, that you see that, you know, were months apart, you know, for what ends up being a, a two or three second shot, you know, was made up of three shots, let's say the new hospital being built, you know, and so I'm driving by when there's nothing there. And then when it's halfway built and then when it's fully built. And so you could say it was the edit version that, that, you know, was on PBS and, and the film festival. It was five years in the making wow. in many wow. instances. What advice would you give to someone who uh, wants to make a documentary? What, what are some uh, things to watch out for? Well, I mean, just the, the common stuff of, you know, if you're a one man team, like I was, you, you got to make sure that the camera's rolling, you know, and that, that it doesn't stop recording. You know, I had a, I had one scene in particular that the fellow was, was tearing up and stuff. And I figured out my main camera had stopped recording and I had the GoPro footage and I had the audio. So I was able to cut to, to some pictures and, and still keep that emotion in his voice. Cause you know, you don't want to do a retake, uh, you know, when someone is opening up their heart and, Oh, can you do that again? Uh, <laughs> so I was able to, to keep the audio from the original take and, and still use it. But it's hard when you're doing everything from setting up the camera and making sure the audio is good and doing the interviews. Yeah, it's, it's not for the faint of heart, but uh, I'm so glad I did it. Now, do you have like a script that uh, you followed or is it something that you at the end you kind of uh, put it together? You know, because, you know, if let's say for right now with every video that me and Sergey do, we try to have a script ahead of time. Is it right. something that you followed as well? Or would you say just get all the footage you can and then sit down and write a story at the end kind of approach? Right. Yeah, actually, the the guy who presented the award to me uh, in his introduction was talking about how, in many ways, documentary is a little bit harder than dramatic in that on the dramatic, you've got a script and you follow it. And the documentary, you know, you're the cliche is you're the fly on the wall and you're letting the, the people tell the story. And then you're just wrapping it up, you know, at, at the end. So no, there was no script and I didn't want there to be a script. I wanted the residents of Joplin who went through this ordeal and then, you know, the volunteers who helped rebuild, I wanted them to tell the story from their own perspective. Interesting. Well, now I want to get into your journey as a filmmaker. I want to, I want to yeah. figure out what did it all start for you? How did you get into filmmaking? Well, we could go way back. Um, 
I, I was born in Chile, South America, actually. My parents were missionaries. Nice. And I can remember my mom making videos when we were on the field to send back to people who were supporting them to do that work. And, you know, she had this old camcorder and she would set it up on a tripod and film pictures and then put a new picture there. And then she would have a cassette player and dub some music over it. Today, she doesn't know how to work a universal remote, but she figured out how to do that (laughs) without computers and all that. We have old videos of me asking her, mom, can I film? Can I film, please? (laughs) So I always wanted to be behind the camera. And um, in high school, would do silly videos and edit straight from camcorder to to VHS, no computers. And so when I found nonlinear editing, I was like, whoa, this is cool. But I didn't study any of this. You know, I went to uh, Bible college and, and, you know, I went into the ministry as a, a full-time pastor for many years and was, you know, getting my message out, you know, to hundreds of people a week. But I, I soon realized that media was so powerful that you could get it to thousands, whatever your message is. You know, it's interesting because it seems like all the creators that I talk to, they all have these like unconventional ways how they get into in the industry. And, you know, most people always assume that there's only this one path you have to go through school or through this conventional way of getting there. But actually, I found out that, uh, you know, you being, let's say, pastor, being a pastor, you know, requires a lot of communication. You have to be good with people. You have to uh, tell good stories. You have to be very a good, good communicator. And so that's thousands of hours invested in another field that you can carry over to filmmaking, which I'm sure probably contributed greatly to your storytelling. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah. And so the technology was always a hobby for me. And I thought something that would be useful in ministry. I even made a bunch of videos that I made available to uh, other churches to, to download and use in their worship services. And many of them were terrible, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but they still used them. And I was just honing my craft. And then the hobby became, you know, a career and in a powerful way to, uh, to use media to communicate uh, different things. And, you know, back when I was in school, my alma mater didn't even have a, a creative arts department, uh, wow. but but they wow. do now, and I actually get to go and and teach uh, beginner After Effects to college students. Nice. And next month they have a creative arts academy where high schoolers come, and I'm doing an animation class with them for a full week of camp. So it's it's nice to now, you know, go from being the learner mm-hmm. to now mm-hmm. a teacher, and all all people know that we will never. Stop being learners, but at least when you you've learned a few things, you you can teach that, and uh, it's been fun to to get to to teach it. Even in my current day job now at uh, GMPI, which is a international ministry, I've even been able to go back to my home country of Chile and teach some After Effects beginner stuff. And um, in July, I get to go to Mexico and and do the same. I know things weren't always. I'm great for you. You know, as a creative, you have ups and downs. I would love to hear what's your, uh, I guess, worst moment or most painful experience as a as a filmmaker. Well, um, you know, now I I work on a creative team, and so like any any creative team, you've got differing opinions, different tastes, and you know, you're collaborating on projects together. And I've also kind of studied personalities and 
mine is a personality that, you know, doesn't like critique, but critique is something that is so valuable and so important. So creatives got, have got to learn to have thick skin and accept critique as, you know, constructive criticism and knowing that collaboration makes things better. So even on, on my documentary that, you know, I did all by myself, you know, almost every part of it, I did have to bounce that off of my wife, bounce that, bounce that off of my uh, filmmaker friend, you know, just different people to get input and, um, and to, to make something that I did on my own better. But that's tough sometimes. No, I totally. And I think being uh, in a relationship, being married, uh, my wife is <laughs> my worst critic. And a lot of times, like, that's, uh, we don't want to hear the truth. Just tell me I'm amazing. Tell me I'm so good at this. But with every podcast, I usually, uh, I play it to my wife. And as much as it hurts sometimes to play, but, you know, I know that we'll get her honest feedback. So surrounding yourself around people that can give you honest feedback and critiques, it's definitely very helpful. Now, share your best moment as an artist. I think we we just talked about it. You know, just getting that award is something that I didn't think maybe would ever happen. And to have it on my first uh, film, I actually did uh, Lights Film School online. It was just this uh, uh, this course, and the final was like a five-minute thing, but that's where I turned into a 92-minute film, which is overkill. But, uh, yeah, just getting that award had to be, you know, it was an affirmation that, yeah, I made the right decision to invest, you know, time into honing the craft of, of visual storytelling and just love to share that with my wife that moment. And especially, like you said, thinking uh, I hadn't won, mm-hmm. um, being nominated alone was an honor, but uh, having won was a sweet moment for sure. Now, what is the process of, uh, let's say I'm making a documentary. How do I enter a film festival? What did you learn from uh, just the process itself? Well, all you got to do is uh, pay money. <laughs> oh, so it cost, there's a cost involved? Okay. Yeah, you're basically paying for getting judged. And so uh, I used Film Freeway and uh, submitted to just a few film festivals that were close enough that you know I could drive to because – you know, I didn't have a lot of time to, to go, you know, fly in different places. And, you know, it's a lot of out-of-pocket expense just right. to, to do that. Where can people watch your documentary? Yeah, that's a great question. Steadfastdocumentary.com is the film's website. And um, uh, just the other day, I, I put an option to where you can stream it for 99 cents. Nice. Uh, or if you uh, want a DVD, uh, I think that's seven ninety nine plus shipping. And I found this out that I thought DVD was dead and that everything was digital distribution. So I actually had it on Vimeo On Demand for a year and just didn't move many copies that way. People would rather have a DVD in their hands still today. Interesting. I was floored by that. We you know we'd have a screening and I have cards, you know, with the you can you can get it in HD and Start watching it right now on your phone for $3, or you can buy a DVD for $10. Oh, I'll have the DVD. Mm. <laughs> so uh, DVD is, is not dead. It's funny because like my, uh, my laptop doesn't have uh, – I don't even have access. Or, you know how like uh, modern laptops don't come with CD players anymore? and It would be hard for me to find a DVD player now, honestly. But, but I guess especially in something that's nostalgic, you know, people want 
a hard copy, something mm. they can handle, something they can keep, something they can pass on. No, that's true. I definitely see the value. Rather than sit on a hard drive. Right. Now, share an online resource that you find helpful. Euchromedia.com. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I didn't pay Gregory to say this. I'll send no, you, no, I'll send you, you some rubles. Oh, wait a minute. That might hurt you if you ever run for government. That might hurt you. <laughs> You're getting rubles from a Russian guy. That may not be a good idea. Actually, a lot of the the interviews you've been doing lately are people that I have watched uh, countless tutorials of and just have gained so much knowledge from them. That's awesome. And I'm glad that you're you're getting some value out of this. And man, it's, I'm telling you, with every interview, I get so nervous. So it's so cool that people listen to them. I get, I mean, you know, when you first start out, you like you don't get much feedback and it's a little discouraging. You see the numbers and I mean, the numbers are, are pretty good, but then you don't get it, you don't hear any feedback and it's, it's, uh, you know, feedback is so huge for, for filmmakers, for content creators. And when you don't get that, it's so discouraging. And so, but now finally I'm getting some like little emails and messages that people find it so helpful and useful. And man, that's, that's what it's all about. That's why I do it. I do it for others. And at the same time, they're my heroes too. And so it's pretty cool talking to my, my heroes. And so anyway, but thank you so much for listening, man. I really appreciate it. And now you're on a podcast, <laughs> yeah. Gregory Fish. So one more question. Recommend a book. Okay. Are you a book reader? I am. Yeah. What book would you recommend for our audience? It's a great question. There's one, you know, I'm, I'm a person of faith. And so there's a book that kind of went along those lines mm-hmm. and along the creative lines. And it's by a friend of mine uh, named Gary Molander. And it's called Pursuing Christ, Creating Art. Sweet. And he said some things in there that just um, that uh, that were really impactful to me um, in my journey. So that would be one that I recommend. Awesome. Now, what are you most excited about today? I'm excited about the like I was saying, you know, the teaching opportunities and, you know, to to be able to train, you know, the next generation. I recall as I was a pastor I got someone to to grant me my first uh, Adobe video collection, and that was Premiere 1.5 and After Effects 6.5, and so I started learning that. But um, so powerful, Euchromedia is so helpful to to learn After Effects because I feel like I've got so much more to learn on that in in an animation. I think character animator is really fun, you know. So uh, at my work, I've done some cartoon stuff as well. But now to, to get to teach others how to do that, especially young kids who are, are so bright. I mean, mm. my, my son uh, in middle school did a Star Wars fan film. <laughs> so nice. I saw that. I saw that on Facebook, I think. I showed him how to do the, the lightsabers, and he learned real quick why it's so uh, tedious, especially if you have four lightsabers in a scene and you're mm-hmm. going frame by frame, two points every frame. But it's fun to see in him a desire to to be interested in the same things that I am interested in. Well, maybe one day we'll uh, we'll get you to do a tutorial for us for your media. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> now, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I, I guess uh, you know we've been talking about the film, so steadfastdocumentary.com is a great place to connect. There's a contact right there, and yeah, send me an email or look me up on Facebook, Gregory Fish. And uh, Instagram is uh, actually Fish Expressions, and that's uh, with no E. And, and that's the name I came up with a uh, long time ago, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with Ukramedia. 
we came up with that name a long time ago. And, uh, well, I guess we kind of know why. Because we were from Ukraine and media, so we're like, eh, let's just compile the two. Now, the last question, and I have to warn you, it's very serious. Did you hear okay. Laure- Laurel or Yanni? Oh, I'm Team Laurel all the way. <laughs> Me too, man. I never heard Yanni in, in, unless it was uh, modified by 30%. And actually, uh, Adobe did a, a live Facebook video that I, I chimed in for. And uh, Jason Levine, was uh, he recorded himself saying Laurel and Yanni and comparing it to the spectral frequency display of the original recording. And it is Laurel. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm on that team. But my wife is Team Yanny. So, well, my kid, my five year old, and I hear that it's because they hear the high pitch uh, Yanny, and so a part of me was a little discouraged uh, because I guess my hearing's not the best. <laughs> well, Gregory, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate. It. Thank you so much for being a part of our community, man. I I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Gregory Fish. Make sure to check out Steadfast Documentary at steadfastdocumentary.com. Also, don't forget to check out our expressions course. You can find it at euchromedia.com slash expressions. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are available on our website at euchromedia.com slash 19. Also, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to euchromedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,000 people in this group, people like Gregory Fish and many others. It is a great online resource for those of you who are trying to grow. Make sure to check it out. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ecomedia Podcast. Bye-bye.